We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And Oladipo wants it again. Approaching two minutes to play. With the left hand and authority. McKee gets it in the middle for the win. Nation, what is going on? It is your boy Mike Fauci wishing you a happy Friday. We have an action-packed episode of Setting the Pace for you today. We are going to be joined later by a former defensive captain and Super Bowl champion of the Indianapolis Colts, Gary Brackett. We have the return of Victor Oladipo to talk about. And Justin DeMontis Sabonis has been named an all-star reserve. Pacer Mania is running wild right now. I feel like if Hulk Hogan was a Pacer fan, he'd be saying, What you gonna do, brother, when Pacer Mania runs wild on you? Because right now, it is the best time to be a Pacer fan. I walked into work today with the same strut that Victor Oladipo had when he buried the game-tying three-pointer last night to save the Pacers and force overtime. It was unbelievable to see Victor back in uniform. The crowd was on their feet. Uh, Chris Denari pointed it out. It was the highest viewed Pacer game since 2013-2014 season. So it was just an amazing atmosphere. Vic had to shake off some rust, finish the game 2 of 8, but he saved his best for last in his last shot. The biggest of the night, a 28-foot three-pointer to force overtime. 
Chandler Hutchinson was literally frozen in time, not expecting Oladipo to pull trigger from that deep, but it was unbelievable. One of the clutchest guys in the NBA picked up exactly where he left off. I mean, just the Pacers are such a more dangerous team with Oladipo in the lineup. This is a guy who last year led the NBA in clutch points and clutch field goal percentage. So it was an awesome win. I mean, look, the Bulls, they were missing some guys. It would have been a rough loss. It would have dampered Oladipo's return. But instead, everything flipped in an instant. The Pacers were down 100-93. to Malcolm Brogdon starts leading the team back. He ends up scoring seven of his 15 points in the final two and a half minutes and overtime. But it's Oladipo who stole the show. I mean, just a, a heartfelt post-game interview with JJ. Really, you could see the tears coming out. He was choking up saying he did it for Kobe, the Mamba mentality. It just meant so much for Oladipo to be back. But we got to transition over to the other player that was included in the deal for Paul George because now that other player, who might have been looked at as a throw-in, is an all-star. DeMontis Sabonis, who averaged on the year 18 points per game, a hair under 13 rebounds, and about 4.5 assists on over 50% shooting. I believe it's 53% uh, percent to be exact. Uh, this is Sabonis who... He kind of put the team on his back for a long time this year. I know Oladipo is back now, and Miles Turner, you know, it was had a really good, you know, January. He really turned it around. Um, obviously, TJ Warren's been a stud, but Sabonis was the guy who, night in, night out, you can count on, just recorded his 37th double-double of the year. He had two triple-doubles within the past week. So, when you thought about that trade, when Paul George left town, the Pacers brought in Oladipo and Sabonis, two guys that had, it would have been hard to imagine them both making the All-Star game in just a few years, but they both did. We traded Paul George for two All-Stars who were younger. I mean, it, it's just amazing move by Pritchard uh, to be able to see the potential in Sabonis' growth. It all paid off, but I got a bone to pick because Nate Duncan took to Twitter and said that Sabonis was the worst All-Star he's seen in recent memory. Guys, I don't know what Nate Duncan has against Sabonis. I'm going to imagine that he probably hasn't even watched a Pacer game this year. I mean, very few of them have been nationally televised. If you're not you know, either in the Indiana market or watching on League Pass, you probably didn't see Sabonis dominate night in and night out. So it was kind of a comment that Nate deserved to have Pacer Nation kind of sicked on him. You know, I feel like that's something where we kind of have to defend our own. So it was rough to see Brogdon not make the All-Star team, but I I think we kind of know that with the games that he missed, it it plays a big part into it. So uh, while Brogdon didn't make it this year, I do trust that, uh, you know, I feel confident that he'll be able to make it next year. And guys, what if the Pacers had three All-Stars next year and Oladipo, Brogdon, and Sabonis. I mean, wouldn't that be pretty wild? But just to add to Sabonis making an all-star game, the Pacers are 31-17. and 17. How could they not have a representative? So, for Nate to make that comment, you know, whatever. We're not going to get, we're not going to worry about that. We heard Zach Lowe in the preseason say the Pacers weren't a playoff team. It's another guy to put on the hate list, and that's it. We're going to move on because there are better times ahead. When Miles Turner can make his return, 
to uh, the lineup. It's going to be amazing to see this Pacer team in full force. So I, I trust that he's going to play against uh, the New York Knicks. So like I said, action-packed episode uh, coming up. I thought we'd transition next over to Facts with Fachi and a little bit of the mailbag. You know I love hearing from you guys, so keep the questions coming. We'll be right back. So get your facts straight. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Alright, Pacer fans, we are back with the Fachi fact of the day. And because I love you guys so much, I'm going to give you two facts today for the price of one. The first fact is, in all 23 of TJ Warren's 20-point games, he has shot 50% or better from the field, it just shows you that when TJ Warren gets in sync, the man is just a cold-blooded bucket. I was looking, digging up some stats, and when TJ Warren has 15 or more shots, this team, their winning percentage is just through the roof. I mean, when you're talking about below 15, you're talking about losses like Utah, 2 for 4. Uh, Miami, 1 for 5 shooting. Obviously, he got tossed out in that game. Uh, another game against Miami, 5 of 12 shooting. You know, 4 of 13 against the Bucks, 2 of 8 against Charlotte. Yeah, it was a win, but th- there's been some games where he's kind of disappeared. So I feel like when TJ Warren is getting in volume, uh, good things are happening for the Pacers. And in the month of January, he was averaging 14.5 shots, shooting just under 55% and just under 20 points per game. For my second fact, the Indiana Pacers 2.1 assist to turnover ratio currently leads the NBA. Yes, you have that right. The Pacers assist to turnover ratio is the best in basketball. They are currently fourth in the league in assists. And in terms of turnovers, they currently sit at fourth. When you combine that, that goes to the best assist turnover ratio in the NBA and uh, it's no surprise when you have guys like T.J. McConnell taking care of the Rock. Also, Malcolm Brogdon. Those those are two two guys that they are not really turning the ball over. Uh, even you know even Sabonis right now he's been a good passer. The turnovers are sometimes there, but hey, collectively as a team, two point one assists per turnover. You, you gotta love it. T.J. McConnell sitting at four assists per turnover. Uh, it's it's crazy. It honestly is. Brogdon, a hair under three assists per turnover. So good things are happening when you protect the Rock. If you win the turnover battle, good things will happen. I promise you that. And next, I thought we'd transition over to a little bit of the mailbag. We love hearing from you guys on the show. It's what makes the show show so great is hearing from our actual listeners and diehard Pacer fans. I mean, what's better than a diehard Pacer fan? So first question, Tyler Hamilton. Did you think that Victor Oladipo played how you thought he was going to play? Or did you think he would have scored more and done more, quote, stuff? Uh, look, everybody hoped that Oladipo would play a little bit better than he did yesterday. But come on, guys. He was out for a full year. He missed physically 82 games. Uh, so the 2-for-8 from the field, it's like, who cares? Shake off the rust because when it mattered most, he came through. He hit the three-pointer that forced overtime and saved us from the depths of defeat. 
So shake off the rust. I don't think that it was nerves. I think it's probably excited. You know, obviously you saw after the game how much it meant to him to be back, to be able to make a big shot. And the fans gave him an unbelievable welcome. So I think it's going to take him a little bit of time, but he'll be just fine. From Kai Malete, we had, is it time to start giving Jakar Sampson consistent minutes? I think anyone who listens to this show knows I'm Team Jakar. I am a Jakar Sampson guy. I related him to that friend who you know you don't talk to every day, but when you link up, you are boys again. Jakar Sampson, he goes from getting the start to then just not even playing at all. So I feel like I would like to give Jakar Sampson more time, but it just seems like he's the security option right now for if Miles Turner or Sabonis is out. And he's just efficient. I mean, look, in the month of January, it's not a big sample size, but he shot 65% from the field. I mean, this is someone who he doesn't take away from the team at all. And, and to even back that up, Jakar Sampson's last turnover was on November 16th. So think about that. He's not even someone who gets in foul trouble either. Uh, I thought last night against Chicago, six points, five rebounds. I mean, that... that in fill-in duty, that's pretty much all you can ask for. The last time against Chicago, 8-5 and five on 100% shooting from the field. Just continuing to just serve Chicago another cold dish of that revenge. So it pretty much feels like whenever uh, Chicago is uh, on the schedule, throw Jakar Sampson in there because I'm looking at it even November 3rd. Four points, four rebounds. Uh, just a, a simple, simple game in fill-in duty while Miles Turner was out. Uh, so for giving Jakar Sampson more minutes, uh, I don't know if that's really going to happen right now. We had uh, Sander VD Galian asked, "What are you, who's your favorite pacer of all time? Guys, it's Jermaine O'Neal, and there is no second. I am the president of the Jermaine O'Neal Club. Uh, I mean, just Jermaine, at my time, being a pacer fan at its highest, Jermaine O'Neal was the guy. Loved Reggie Miller, but... Jermaine O'Neal was the six-time All-Star while I was just absolutely falling in love with his team. So it's always going to be Jermaine. Uh, I thought moving over to the next question, we had, uh, since Vic just got back, how long do you think it'll be until Victor is Victor again? Pretty similar question to what Tyler Hamilton was saying. Guys, let's give it some time. He's not going to play back-to-backs. He's not going to play more than 24 minutes a game. So for now, I feel like it's just, hey, let's uh, let's give it a couple weeks. Let's give him a month at, at the same point. Hey, if he's even just Vic by playoff time, then I'm more than fine with that. Uh, the follow-up question to that was, uh, how long do you think it'll be until the Pacers are firing on all cylinders? Well, first we need Miles Turner back, and we also need Brogdon to just stay out of those, those ticky-tack injuries. It's one thing after another. If we can get this team all healthy together, it's going to be exciting. I think that's probably going to happen for the first time against the Knicks uh, on Saturday, which we will cover uh, shortly. So I'm going to say that I think it's going to take about a month to really have this team firing on all cylinders just to really give Victor enough time because he's not going to play his usual minutes off the bat. Next question, Oliver Noel asked, if there is any, then who is the one player that you think needs more minutes? In the rotation. Oh, that's a tough one for now. I mean the cop out answer would be Victor Oladipo. 
Uh, right now, only playing you know, up to 24 minutes. It's obviously not enough, but guys, I'm not going to go with that as my answer. Uh, I'm going to go Aaron Holiday because Alex Gold and I covered on the last episode that Aaron Holiday didn't log a single minute in that Bulls game with Oladipo returning. So that was kind of interesting because I feel like Aaron Holiday was someone who wasn't playing bad by any means. Uh, he had shot 7 of 10 from 3 in the last two games. Uh, 17 points in his last appearance. So it kind of feels like to just cut all of Holiday's minutes is pretty tough because how is a young player supposed to grow if he's unable to play? I feel like this Pacer team is a better unit when Aaron Holiday is clicking with the team. So that, that that's going to be interesting to see. I don't want him to just fall out of the rotation altogether. I feel like, come on, I mean, we, we could... We could find some minutes for him there. I felt like last night, Justin Holiday played 29 minutes. Uh, Jeremy Lamb played 32 minutes last night. Uh, TJ Warren played 41. So I feel like, can't we scrap together some minutes over here? Um, then we also had another question going, who do I want to see in a Pacers uniform for right now? I don't know who I want to see right now. I, what I want to see is I want to see this team play to their full potential. Like I just mentioned a moment ago, we haven't even seen the full starting unit together. So how about we don't break up this team yet until we actually see them play together. That's what I'm leaning towards. Uh, I, I think that that's going to be the most exciting time because I was even saying a couple episodes ago, I think the biggest acquisition right around from now till the trade deadline in the East is Victor Oladipo. I don't know another all-star that's going to be arriving to an Eastern Conference team. So I feel like the Pacers didn't have to give up anything for Oladipo this year. Obviously, we know what brought him here. Uh, We're not going to say his name. But good things are ahead for this Pacers team. And I don't want to bring in anyone else right now unless the only guy that we're giving up is TJ Leaf. Other than that, I don't want to part with anyone. We'll be right back. We're going to cover uh, the New York Knicks preview. All right, so we have the New York Knicks coming into town to take on our Indiana Pacers. These are, I'm sorry, I should have said the lowly Knicks, the 13 and 36 Knicks, the bottom feeders of the Eastern Conference, coming to Indiana where they are looking to get a win. We both know that won't happen, but hey, let's cover the game because that's what we have to do. Every team in the NBA is still filled with quality players. The Knicks, uh, they're 3-12 and in their last 15, so they're pretty much hobbling into Indiana right now. Uh, you could see that frustration is evident. It's That's what happens with losing. If you didn't see the other night, uh, it was Alfred Payton just completely loses his cool, shoves uh, Jay Crowder right into the stands. I mean, he's, he's freaking out a little, a little bit because Crowder did steal the ball late in the game of a blowout. But come on, guys. This is basketball. You play to the end of the game. You play to the whistle. Sometimes there's going to be some shenanigans. You don't freak out. Lose your cool. Then you got Marcus Morris calling out players on the team. Uh, it's it just, come on. You, you're losing. That's what it is. It's it simply put. So it's going to be Oladipo's second game. Uh, back for the Pacers, since they did have a little bit of time off in between since the game against the Bulls. I expect that Oladipo, you know, he'll definitely be suiting up. Uh, I think that they have him on the 24-minute restriction. He only played 21 minutes last time, so maybe we'll see him play a couple more minutes. I do expect Miles Turner to recover from the illness that he has going on, so I think this is going to be the first time 
We see the Pacers at full strength, although I do expect Oladipo to still continue to come off the bench. So what do you need to know about the New York Knicks? They are averaging 104 points per game. That is good for 28th in the NBA. And uh, their field goal percentage of 43.7% is 26th in the NBA. So yes, there's there's not the most talent on offense, but what there is is 18 power forwards. Uh, unfortunately, you could only play about two of them at the same time, so that doesn't really do them much good. They are led by Marcus Morris, who's averaging just over 19 points per game. He's actually shooting about 44% from three, so Marcus Morris, he's definitely enjoying a career year. But come on, guys. On a team that only has 13 wins, someone's got to be the guy. So yes, Marcus Morris and Julius Randle, they've been the bright spots. R.J. Barrett is probably their player with the most potential. It's not a guarantee that he suits up. He hasn't played since January 16th. Uh, but at the same point, he is still a rookie. So you never know what you're going to get over there. Um, the Knicks. Uh, so back to some of the stats. What do they do well? Well, they don't do much well. But they are a better rebounding team than the Pacers. At 46 rebounds per game, they are 6th in the NBA. Mitchell Robinson has been a bright spot on that team. Uh, he's someone who they need to give more minutes to. I feel like Mitchell Robinson was someone he was rivaling uh, Miles Turner last year in terms of blocks per game. Uh, I believe Mitchell Robinson finished in the top three last year in that. But digging through some stats, you know, I love to grab that shovel and dig up some stats. The Knicks only have two players on their team shooting above 45%, and that's Mitchell Robinson and Taj Gibson. They're big men. So this is not a team that is accurate from the field at all. Uh, and this isn't a team that's really even doing much well. They're middle of the pack when it comes to free throw attempts. Unfortunately, that is better than the Indiana Pacers, who are currently last. Um, but their free throw percentage is uh, its pretty bad. It's actually worst in the NBA at 69%. So you can put them on the line, but they're still not making them. So right over there, in terms of the guards, you're going to have Elford Payton. You're going to have Reggie Bullock. It's uh, two guys I'm not necessarily worried about because we do have, um, I, I, I want to have this known, the clutchest backcourt in the NBA between Malcolm Brogdon and Victor Oladipo. So a couple other guys to, I don't want to say worry about, but just keep your eyes on. Julius Randle, I feel like Julius Randle is someone who matches up well in, against like a Miles Turner. This is Randle's not... Uh, I, I meant DeMontis Savonis, apologies, everybody. Randall is someone who's not going to be stroking it from the three-point line by any means. He likes it down low. Um, he's another big man that can pass decently, 3.3 assists per game. But he's also averaging three turnovers, that so just completely cancels it out. I feel like that is a matchup that Sabonis will win. Um, Miles Turner against Mitchell Robinson is one that I'm looking forward to seeing. I, I think that Miles Turner should be able to get the best of him, hopefully, obviously. Turner is feeling well in that game. But the Knicks, when you've lost 12 out of uh, your last 15, wins are hard to come by. I don't think that the Knicks are going to walk out of Bangers Life Fieldhouse with a W. Uh, Their last win was ironically, not ironically, but it was over the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I I believe Kyrie Irving might have been out in that game. And then they beat Cleveland. So there's nothing really to be uh, writing home about over there. There's two teams below 500. Uh, they, they did ironically beat the heat earlier in the month. That was, I think the only win they have over 500, 
dating all the way back to when they beat the Mavs on November 8th. So they have not beat a good team other than the Heat in quite some time. So I'm not too worried about the Pacers in this one. I just want to see Vic just get some shots up. Doesn't this feel like the game that you want him to just be able to just unload from the field? I feel like I would like to see Brogdon and Oladipo playing more together. We saw Oladipo with McConnell at times. We saw Oladipo with Brogdon at the end of the game. But I really just want to see that duo log more minutes together. Uh, My guess is probably we're going to see Oladipo continue more with that second unit. Uh, The the group that we saw him uh, start out with when he went in and he checked in was McConnell, Oladipo, Warren, Justin, and Goga Pataze. So... It was a good unit. I mean, the, the Pacers, they, they were fine with that. It, it wasn't the best, but at the same point, this three-point shooting that Oladipo's been working on, I, I know he's been doing it. So it's just a matter of just seeing it. Clearly, that's what he was very confident. He wasn't driving really much at all. Uh, I think he was probably, I think, one for one, actually, from the field uh, inside of the three-point line. So I want to see that a little bit more. But guys, we got a pretty awesome interview coming up next with Gary Brackett. Hope you like it. Uh, Gary was pretty awesome to talk to, and uh, it's great to see that he's doing really well in life after football. He has so much stuff going on and some pretty awesome restaurants in downtown Indianapolis that you got to check out. But I'm going to get out of the way and let Gary Brackett tell you all about it. All right, everybody, we are joined today by a special guest, former defensive captain of the Colts and Super Bowl champion, Gary Brackett. Gary, how are you today? Man, I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I really appreciate you making the time uh, to chat today. Gary, you were actually the first NFL player that we've had on Setting the Pace. How does that feel? Oh, man, it feels amazing, man. Uh, Hopefully many more to come. Oh, I like the sound of that. Typically, you know, we go with Indiana Pacer players as well as media members, but someone such as yourself, when the opportunity came about, we had to have you on. Uh, So, Gary, I thought just you've had a a pretty uh, interesting career. I mean, you started as a walk-on at Rutgers, and then you go undrafted in the NFL. So, Gary, it seems like nothing's really ever came easy for you. Is that a mindset that you carried on throughout life? Yeah, it definitely is a mindset. It's a mentality that, you know, despite adversity, you have to push through. And and typically when you do that, um, you're able to find success. And um, I think far too many people quit way too soon. And my mindset has always been that I'm three feet away from gold and I just need to keep on, you know, pushing through and eventually I get there. Yeah, so making the 53-man roster, that is not an easy thing to do. Can you take us through those early years, you know, scratching and clawing for a roster spot? You know, the crazy part is, is um, the first uh, weekend that I went to the coach camp, I was fourth string. And the funny thing about fourth string is that it doesn't exist, right? There's no fourth string. So um, I actually, you know, probably wasn't going to make the team. So it was an opportunity with special teams. It was a kickoff return team, starters, and it was like the scout team. So kickoff team, we had to run down the field. And um, I wasn't even, like, on that team. I wasn't even on the scout team. So once someone was running and they was like, oh, man, I don't want to do this drill. And I said, man, give me, give it to me. Give me a beanie. Like, I put it on my helmet and I run down there. And I did. And I went out there first time, ran past the guy. I was supposed to block me, made the play. You know, the special teams coach cussing, where the hell did he come from? What number? Where, where you come from? 
So then the veteran, of course, was like, hey, 58, slow down. And I was like, uh-uh-uh. <laughs> so then the uh, next play went up, did the exact same thing. So coach is cussing again. And the next day we went to uh, practice, and on a, the kickoff team, um, somebody was scratched out, and my name was put in at number two. So um, I think that was a lot of, you know, just my career, right? It was just, you know, opportunities where most people don't want to take, and I took them, and I kind of ran with it. Yeah, he definitely sees the moment, and, and it for sure paid off. So you're coming over from New Jersey, and then you make the transition over to Indiana. How did this culture fit you? Because it seems like you made your home in Indianapolis. Do I have that correct? Nah, I'm, I'm still here in Carmel, Indiana. Uh, my beautiful wife is here, Dr. Reagan Brackett, uh, three beautiful children. And um, I think the Hoosier hospitality has really um, hit me. You know, um, obviously being on the Colts fan, it helped that we were the most successful team of any decade, right? That, that this certainly doesn't hurt. Um, but I think, you know, people here are really kind and, and they really go out of our way um, to support one another. And that really stood out to me when I, uh, when I first got here in 2003. The Hoosier mentality is definitely a real thing. And uh, when you're talking about the success that the Colts had, it's hard to talk about that without somehow bringing up Peyton Manning. You know, mm-hmm. Peyton Manning at that time when you joined the team, he hadn't had the playoff success that everybody had hoped for. What was Peyton like as he was trying to break through and be a champion? And then also, like, just his leadership in general. Yeah, I think um, one thing that I really respected about Peyton and learned from him was that relentless pursuit and vibes practice and you know for some great players you know you know they feel like they could hit a switch on game day and all of a sudden become great but the greatness that everyone saw on Sunday I saw twice that much during practice so um, him drilling extra with either Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, uh, Edgerrin James and really just trying to be, become a professionist and I think it was that extra time that you saw those close bang bang plays and everyone thought it was phenomenal and it was just practice. It was just him having extreme practice habits and then not showing up every Sunday. Oh, no one would ever deny that Peyton you know, didn't put in the work because that was definitely evident come game day. And it paid off when you guys beat the Bears for the Super Bowl. I mean, what was it like for you to be able to not only win the Super Bowl, but also for Indianapolis and Indiana just in general to be champions? Yeah, I think it was amazing. Obviously, uh, a lot of seasons we fell short, unfortunately, on getting to that milestone, but, you know, 2006, we kind of had that magical season when we were able to accomplish our goal of winning the championship, and it felt amazing uh, bringing the championship home to Indiana, um, how great our Colts fans were, and for just personally getting over the hump. I mean, we have lost the AFC Championship game. 2005 was probably our best team. We lost the Pittsburgh home, um, so it was one of those things where we really wanted to get over the, hope, uh, the hump and, and win a championship, but we were able to get that done in uh, 2006. And one team that is trying to get over the hump and win a championship is the Indiana Pacers. Now, basketball in Indiana, it's like as synonymous as it gets. What would a championship mean to Indiana coming from the Pacers? Man, it would be special. I think the Fever won one a few years ago, and um, Tamika Ketchum and her squad, and and I think that was just, you know, very well received. So Mm -hmm. um, when you look at the Indianapolis Pacers, um, I've just been amazed by how many guys have been stepping up. You know, Victor Oladipo has been injured the last, you know, past few months, ending last season, beginning of this season. And, you know, these guys have been coming in, playing extremely hard night in, night out. And you never know, um, you know, um, who's going to step up. And I feel like, you know, that's the type of team 
that goes on to win championships. And there's a lot of obstacles, right? The East is still um, powerful with Toronto, um, obviously the Celtics, um, some of those teams. But, you know, I think the Pacers are right there in the mix. And uh, when Old Depot comes back, you know, hopefully he still has that, you know, um, that 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 grit that, that kind of he had his entire career. And that would kind of make us definitely one of the, you know, top three, four teams to beat going into the Eastern Conference um, playoffs. Yeah, you know, us Pacer fans were very excited for Oladipo's long way to return. It's been over a year. Um, someone who, you know, missed some time there when you were playing. 2011, your final season, Peyton Manning missed the full year. Uh, he's the leader of the Colts. I mean, everybody knows that, just like Oladipo's the leader of the Pacers. What is it like when you're without your leader? The, like, in the locker room, on the field, the court, what is that like? Well, actually, unfortunately, I was going that season as well. I got game injured that year for you. Yeah, yeah, I got injured in week one. So I think, um, and obviously, we didn't have our offensive captain or our defensive captain. Um, we go 2-14. Two, two so, um, I mean, it's difficult because, you know, we were pace setters, you know, both off- offensively and defensively. We were the guys going out there. Um, and guys were still setting the pace, but I think that mental aspect of knowing, I think people took for granted how much both he and I prepared before the game. And, you know, I, I would put in hours upon hours and say the same thing with him. And a lot of times, you know, other people who didn't prepare, um, you kind of protected them because you were over-prepared. You could get those guys lined up. Well, when you remove that from the equation, um, I think it's extremely difficult um, and those gaps kind of get exposed. So um, it was difficult, obviously, missing that 2011 season, uh, finishing out my career on a sour note. But I think overall, when I look at my career, win-loss totals, I'm very proud of what I was able to accomplish. Of course, I think right there, especially being undrafted. And then, like we talked about before, being a walk-on at Rutgers, I mean, I think you probably even surprised yourself in terms of, in the end, of all that you were able to accomplish. Uh, And that's all the stuff on the field. But, Gary, I wanted to talk about some of the stuff you've done off the field because I feel like some of your uh, charity work is the stuff of legends. I mean, can you tell us what it meant to you in 2009 to win the Arthur S. Arkish Humanitarian Award? for your, your work with the Impact Foundation, which I believe you founded? Yeah, I did found that. And, um, you know, unfortunately, um, I've been through quite a bit of adversity. Uh, my first two seasons in the NFL, 16 months, man, I lost my father, my mother, and then my brother. So a very difficult time um, getting through that. But um, once I was through that, then I realized how many other people are suffering um, inside of Indianapolis or, or Indiana, just period. So, so our Impact Foundation, where we give back to critically and chronically ill children uh, and especially underserved, underserved youth and, um, you know, through several missions. Um, and I think um, it never fails. You know, sometimes my schedule is crazy busy and I have a charity event that's been scheduled for months. And, you know, I don't, I'm not feeling it. I'm, I'm, I'm probably sick that day. Or, and when, every time I go, it's not about how much I'm giving as much how much am I receiving. And just seeing the smiles on the face and being able to provide either meals or provide a kind word or some educational tips, whatever that is, um, you know, I'm always grateful for the response and always excited that I have the ability to uh, continue to be a blessing to others. That's amazing. I think we are starting to see a lot more athletes give back, and it's really just rewarding to see. I mean, guys like LeBron creating his own school or just the work that you never even hear about. It just it makes all the difference to you know the less fortunate. Uh, any fun stories? Maybe interacting with Pacer players at charity events. Did you guys ever really have an opportunity to mingle? 
Yeah, I mean, every year, I think it was, uh, initially it was, what was it? It was Paul George or Roy Hepburn in uh, Robert Mathis' celebrity softball game. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that was always a good battle between, you know, football players and basketball players. Um, I, I definitely think that football players are better athletes. <laughs> uh, uh, biased, of course. But now nah, those guys, were, uh, we were always supporting one another. I mean, obviously, we would, you know, be very present at Pacer games as they would be at Coast games. And, you know, we're all putting on for, for the city. And I think, you know, definitely a lot of love between those two organizations and franchises. And, you know, I, I, I too, now I'm a Pacer fan, and I would love to see them, you know, obviously get to the finals and, and bring home a championship. Ah, uh, don't we all, don't we all. But did you ever have a, a maybe a favorite Pacer player, whether it's past or current? Man, that's tough. Uh, favorite Pacer player? Um I mean, obviously, uh, I think Lance was always fun to watch. Love them. Uh, we Fan always favorites. played hard. Um, but I think for me, Darren Collison, man, how he was, you know, the quarterback of that team for a while and mm-hmm. uh, how hard he played, undersized guy, uh, very intelligent, played from the neck up, really lining everyone up. I really just love, you know, I'm a leader, right? So I'm yeah. a captain, so I always oh, look yeah. at leaders and see who's uh, who's controlling at the pace. And, and definitely Darren Collison, uh, somebody who I always uh, admired. He was a two-time Pacer, as was Lance Stevenson, so it just shows how much the organization valued the both of them. It was uh, kind of surprising to to see Darren Collison retire last year. It just kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. But also another retirement that kind of came out of nowhere, Andrew Luck. What was your initial reaction when Andrew Luck stepped away from the game under his own wishes at you know a time when no one really expected it? Yeah, I get it. All right. Um, I mean, football is a sport where it's not a matter of um, if you're going to get hurt. It's a matter of when. And unfortunately, uh, Andrew was hurt several times throughout his career. um, Serious injuries. I mean, as you know, um, par for the course in the NFL, a lot of players suffer injuries. But I think him mentally making that position, uh, decision rather, um, the training camp, um, it's tough for organization for you to go that late and make that decision. But I think ultimately – you probably save some people because if your heart's not in it and you're not going to give 110% um, like the rest of the team members, then you don't deserve to be out there. I mean, it's not fair to your teammates, not fair to you. So I think he made the right decision. Um, and, you know, I would definitely wish him well in um, his post-career. Yeah, I, I mean, whew, you never know what Andrew Luck has next in store. Uh, when you're talking about post-career, you know, Gary, you've, you're someone who has accomplished quite a lot off the field. I mean, I know you studied for your master's degree. Got it. Uh, opened up a few restaurants, uh, and even wrote your own uh, book. I mean, talk about it. It's winning from walk-on uh, to captain in football and life. Tell us a little bit about that experience writing a book. Yeah, man, it was a fun experience. Obviously, we talked a little about the adversity with my parents and brother mm-hmm. uh, being a walk-on in um, college and then being a free agent in NFL, making it. Um, I just think it was an underdog story. And, you know, I would get so much fan mail um, from people telling me that my story inspired them. And I feel like penning a novel where I could kind of share all those experiences with people and just, you know, act as an inspiration. So extremely proud that, you know, now that book is now being picked up to be uh, a movie. So we're going to refund it right now, crowdfunding that. So bracket.movie is that website that you can go check out. And uh, we're going to refund it as well. So, um, February 6th, we're hosting a live a show. We shot a promotional short trailer and a promotional short movie, 30 minutes long. So we're going to be showing that and we're going to be speaking to the crowd. So just excited about that, man. And really, um, ultimately, 
I want to continue to give back. And I think that's something that I've been proud of. And with the restaurants with Stack Pickle, uh, I was having several area locations um, continue to uh, kind of feed our communities and kind of be that place where people will come in and, and enjoy themselves. Yeah, definitely. I'm going to have to check out that book, especially the movie, if we're able to, uh, you know, accomplish that, get that in theaters. That'd be unbelievable. Is that is the book somewhere? Uh, is it available on Amazon or anything like that? No, GaryBrecker.com. Um, GaryBrecker.com. So you go to my website, and actually on there, um, whoever buys the book actually uh, personally autographed the book to them. So um, my website is GaryBrecker.com. You can go on there and check it out. Um, and, you know, that's been fun. And, and, and additionally to that, I also – um, started, you know, helping with some business coaching and some and some mentorship on there as well, which you can also find on my website. So now my model, man, is continue to grow and continue to give back and you know help others. Yeah, and it sounds like you're doing a great job at that. Seems like uh, from checking out your Twitter feed, you always got something positive going on, and, and life after football definitely seems like it's keeping you busy. Uh, so that is that is awesome to hear. And uh, as we're wrapping up right now. Look, Gary, these Indiana Pacers, it's a its a unique stat. They've actually never had an all-star that wasn't either drafted to them or traded to them. Is there something that you could give, like, a, you know, a quick little pitch as to why players would want to come to Indiana? Because I feel like there's a lot of great stuff going on here. And, yes, it's a smaller market, but it's a winning culture. Yeah, I think, um, like you said, I mean, some of the greatest Colts fans – I mean, some of the greatest fans, period, sports fans, and basketball is definitely, I think it's a stat, like basketball, I mean, <clears throat> Indiana has like six or seven of the biggest gyms in the U.S. <clears throat> in regards to basketball, so. But I think um, it's a small market, which, which, but I think it's a, it's a tight-knit market, and if done properly, um, you can be just as big. Look at a Reggie Miller who spent his whole career here. And if you come here and you get back to the community and you do your thing on the court, man, you can be just as big as playing anywhere else in the, in the NBA. I think I think now nowadays it's kind of proving that, that you can be a star in a small market. I mean, we're seeing that with Giannis, the Greek freak in Milwaukee right now. I mean, just right. an unbelievable talent that everybody is aware of right now. And I, I think that it, there's with social media now, Everyone's a lot more connected than ever before. So I think that you definitely can be a star in a small market now. But as we're talking about Oladipo coming back to the team, the Pacers right now, they're right in the thick of things. You know, they're in the fifth seed, but they're also just just behind the second seed. We're entering, we're in the second half of the year. Where do you think this team can finish up? I mean, Oladipo's come back. It's been a year. I mean, why not hit the ground running? Nah, you're exactly right. Um <clears throat> Man, last year he was so exciting to watch, uh, so clutch. So I think that's definitely going to help in some of these close games um, that they, they have been, um, you know, suffering in the first part of the year. So that added motivation is going to be key. Uh, it's going to be fun. I think, um, you know, getting, getting into a seven-game series um, with a bunch of guys with a deep bench, a bunch of scrappers, I think, you know, um, who knows, man, they catch fire. Uh, they definitely can um, get hot, and, and, and like you said, when the when the, uh, the Eastern Conference, um, I mean that'd be that'd be definitely fun to watch. Last question: Can I get an NBA Finals prediction from you? Which two teams are? Or who do you want to see in it? Man, that's tough. It's uh, so one. The West Conference is probably pretty easy. Uh, the Lakers are are, are stacked. Um, 
I think they're going to make a decision at trade deadline, probably getting a score or shooter in there to kind of help them out. I think if they get that solidified, those guys are healthy. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty easy. Um, um, the East, um, I would love to say the Pacers, right? But I think it's so challenging with where they are right now. It is. Um, it's just tough. Um, I really like the Celtics, man. I think okay. Kimball Walker is a better fit for he them is. than Kyrie Irving was. And um, th- those young players that they had now that I think uh, it was a Brown that just came back from injury. Jalen Brown, yeah, Justin Tatum. Yeah, they're, they're tough, man. So I really like, you know, the energy. Uh, Brad Stevens, I think, is a phenomenal coach. Obviously mm-hmm. a Butler guy, Indiana guy. So I think um, the Lakers and the Celtics, man. Wouldn't that be fun, man? Lakers and the Celtics. Traditional. Uh, traditional. Um, it it'd be the way to kind of win it, you know what I'm saying, in honor of Kobe Bryant for the Lakers. I think that would be a great way for it to all play out. Exactly. I think the Lakers have to make a move to bring someone in to get that championship to honor Kobe Bryant. I mean, it just seems like you got to do whatever you can. Did you ever have the opportunity to run into Kobe or see him play live? No, nah, I haven't. I did not. So that's one of my greatest regrets. Me too. I'm uh, not, not seeing a talent like that. So uh, I, I did not see Kobe. I didn't, but obviously his work ethic is the stuff of legends. And it's just, you know, just like yourself, Kobe was someone who, once he retired from his sport, uh, he started a new sport, basically. And it was just life after basketball. I'm, I'm very happy to hear that you have so much going on right now. Uh, so... Tell us one more time. Where can we check out uh, GaryBracket.com? And where else? Uh, tell us about your restaurants again. Yeah, StackPickle.com. You can check out. Uh, we have uh, the number one sports bar in Indianapolis, the Stack Pickle. So you can check us out, man. We have delicious uh, food, uh, very affordable pricing. And the game is always on. So you can uh, check us out at StackPickle.com. I like the sound of that. We're going to have to send our, uh, our listeners there. Gary, appreciate the time today. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. All right, Pacer fans. Well, I hope you enjoyed that uh, interview with Gary Brackett. I mean, quite the story from being a walk-on at Rutgers to then undrafted the NFL, uh, loses three family members basically while he's just trying to even make it in the, into the league, uh, scratches and claws, gets that roster spot, works his way up to defensive captain, and becomes a Super Bowl champion. Gary Brackett, great guy. Also an Indiana Pacer fan. He was tweeting out, really excited for the the Oladipo return last night. Um, So that has been another episode of Setting the Pace. You can find me on Twitter at underscore S-A-C-I. You can find my co-host Alex Gold at AlexGoldNBA on Twitter. Uh, You can find the podcast at Setting the Pace 3 on Twitter and on Instagram at Pacers Talk. We are out of time today, but if I can leave you with one thing to remember, it is let's go Pacers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.